Hello everyone, I'm Joe Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world and in our community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. And now to God's Word. We will be considering Romans chapter 6 verses 2 through 5 over the next few broadcasts. As we do, we'll begin to consider the work of Christ at the cross for us. There he accomplished two things. One, he objectively paid for all our sins to justify us. And there also he took our old nature into his death that we would die with him in order that we might be new creations in him. He made it possible for us to be regenerate, brand new people in him. As we're approaching this passage, this portion of the passage, last week I reminded you that Paul is writing the book of Romans like a dialectic in which he's carrying on a conversation with different individuals. And yet, it's like there's a number of individuals at the table where Paul is speaking. So and sometimes, at some point, he's speaking to the Christians in Rome. He's speaking to the believing Jew, and he's speaking to the believing Gentile that have gathered together a part of the church in Rome as he's writing this letter. But then at other times you see Paul pivoting where he's speaking to the unbelieving Gentile. And another time he's speaking to the unbelieving Jew. So they're all at the table and he's carrying on this conversation. And he's beginning to ask a question that I believe is being asked of him by the unbelievers. Should we sin that grace might abound? They're beginning to understand that Paul is teaching them that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And in that way you are justified or made right before God. And that the law came simply to reveal how sinful we are. We see our own sinfulness and our awareness of it begins to abound and accumulate in our lives. And we take full account of it. It's at that measure that we turn in repentance and we put our faith in Christ. And we find that now grace abounds. And so the answer to that is, well, then if you're not saved by your works and by your moral activity, why not just continue sinning even more The more grace should abound? And that's their question. And maybe that's even sometimes the question that believers can ask themselves. They can adopt it as a kind of way. It's called antinomianism. I prove my faith in Jesus Christ. I prove that I'm trusting him completely. And therefore, I can do whatever I want. And I just go to him and find forgiveness because it's by his grace that I'm saved alone and Paul is addressing them and answering that question they're asking by saying, how shall we who have died to sin continue any longer in it? That's how he begins his response to them. And and now Romans 6 is an answer to that question. But it's now as if at the table Paul pivots and he turns to the believer. And his message is really to the believers. He's been speaking about the justifying work of God by which we're saved. And now he turns to delve into a ramification of that justifying work, and that is that it leads us into a sanctifying work. If you claim that you are just by by faith in Jesus Christ, and you've been made right by Jesus Christ, and that work does not immediately turn into your life into pursuit after holiness, to live in the sanctifying power of Jesus Christ, you might at some point in time begin to question whether you really have come to Him in faith and believed in Him for His justifying work. And so Paul now is pivoting and he's turning towards the believer and the message he has here particularly is for the person who says they're a Christian, who says they put faith in Jesus Christ and they believed in him. And Paul is taking them at their word. He's saying, all right, if this is what you believe, here's what's happened and here's what God has and what God is wanting to do and how God wants to work in your life to lead you into a life of holiness and purity before him. Paul is actually in a sense in chapter 6 and chapter 7, turning to address them. In chapter 8, he's going to turn back, in a sense, to address this idea of justification by faith. But here he's turning to address this ramification, or what happens when we're justified by faith, and that is it also turns us into a life of holiness. He's addressing the issue of sanctification. 
And so, in many ways, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you haven't believed Him and put your faith in Him, much of what Paul is saying here won't apply to you. You won't understand it. You won't get it. Even if you've made a profession of faith, but it's only a profession and not a possession, you won't be able to claim the things that Paul is saying here. And that's why, by the way, you're failing at your Christian life. is because you can't claim these things to be true of yourself. You've got a name and you've got a title and you've said, I believed in Jesus Christ and I've had my emotional moment and I've said my prayer and I've gone on to perform Christian duties, but the fact is your life is this ongoing progression of continuing in sin, living in it. You can't say, how shall we live in it any longer? Because we do, you do. Well, if that's going on, it may be because you can't apply the things that are being taught here. Or it may be that you're not applying it. It's true, and you've not learned to apply these things, and you need to. So, one way or another. It's kind of a bit of a diagnostic. There's two choices here as you look at this passage. And as we'll go through this whole passage, it's either I'm not truly born again and I cannot claim these things or I have been born again, but I have not stepped forward to claim and live and reckon in these truths. That's your options. Those are your options. Let's see. Let's go on. Let the Holy Spirit bring these to you and speak to him as he will. The first thing I would just say here is it should be obvious to you, one way or another, that a Christian can sin. A Christian can fall into sin. A Christian can even let sin reign in their bodies. They can obey sin. They can yield their bodies up and their flesh up to be instruments of sin. The, the Christian can sin. But the true Christian cannot continue on in such ways for they're opposed to the very thing that he's become. I'm going to give you the application and the point of this whole message we're going to have this morning in just a few words here. And it's this. Jesus didn't merely die on the cross for what you had done in committing sins. He also died for what you were and had become as a sinner. He didn't just die to take away your sins. He died to take away the sinner and to replace him or her with a saint. He didn't just die to die to take the punishment for the sins you had committed. He died for what those sins had made of you and what you were and why, where those sins rose out of. And that was out of your own sinful flesh and sinful heart and sinful existence. And he died in order to not only remove the sin, but to remove the sinner from that place and to replace it with a saint. And if you've been born again of Jesus Christ, you are not the sinner you once were. Instead, you are a holy one who is on the way to a glorious future. And because this is true, the true believer cannot continue in sins. They can face temptations, and they can be difficult, and they can be hard, and they can be test, and they can fail, and they can falter, but they can't continue in these things. The answer for sinning for the Christian is found in this. I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. I've been born again. I've been regenerated. That's our answer for it. We face temptations and we face trials and we face the sin that's roiling in our flesh that permeates the cells of our body, that activates itself in the mental synapsis of our brains, that excites what we see and what we hear and what we touch. We address what is roiling in our flesh and we address it with this certain knowledge and this certain confidence even that we are new people in Jesus Christ. 
that the flesh is making its appeal, in a sense, within us to someone who's no longer there because we've changed and we're different. And so we grab hold of. Here's a way to move into the life of sanctification. It's to grab hold of passages like 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it says, and hold it by faith. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, everything has been made new. Or Ephesians 2.10 where it talks about in verses 8 and 9, for we are saved through faith by grace alone. And then in Ephesians 2.10 it says this, that we are His workmanship, created, something that is created in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, for good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do. I'm a new creation. Something has changed in me. I'm not what I was. And this is how I confront the challenges of sin and the temptations that come upon me. So Paul is basically saying in this passage that a regenerate person is not content to be saved alone from his sin if he's going on and sinning. He's not content just to be saved from the consequences of his sin. The regenerate person also longs to and lives in a power that longs to overcome the ongoing expression of sin in his life. He doesn't want to go that way. He doesn't want to live in that way. And so Paul says, actually, the impulse of a regenerate person is, how can we, how can I continue in this way? Because it's completely foreign to everything that he is. So Paul shows us that the regenerate, born-again man or woman has a totally different view of sin. But at the same time, Paul tells us, it's not simply that they have a totally different view of sin. It's not simply that they look at sin and say, how can we continue in sin now that we know how defiling it is and how awful it is and how terrible it is and how destructive it is and that its way leads unto death. And so we have this enlightened view of sin. It's not simply how can we continue because now we have knowledge of what sin is and what it's doing in our life. Or an individual might go and find out how to make hot dogs and decide, how can we ever eat a hot dog again? Because we know what hot dogs are made of. I don't want to know. I just want to enjoy a hot dog. Right? And maybe some people don't want to know what's in their flesh. And don't want to know what sin does. But Paul is not saying that you've changed what you do in your life because you've learned what sin does and the consequences that sin has. And That's not where the power lies in the how can we. How can we continue in sin? He says... Because we've died to it. And what Paul says is the great impulse against the temptation and the call and the beckoning call of our very bodies to yield to sin is this. We don't continue in it. We don't want to continue it because our relationship to sin has changed. It's not simply our knowledge of sin has changed. Our relationship to sin has changed. We have died to sin. Therefore, we can no longer continue in it. That's the thing we're saying. That's the thing that Paul's discussing. And so this was our last point last week. It's going to be our first point this week because we need to look at this more completely. And it's this. The regenerate person has died to sin. The regenerate person has died to sin. And again, what Paul is talking about here is the work of regeneration that took place at the cross of Jesus Christ. Being born again. All right. So there are two great works that take place in our lives in salvation. One of those works is the work of justification in which the Lord Jesus takes upon himself the punishment and penalty of all my sin and bears it in my place. It's all put upon the sinless Son of God, suffering in my place for my sins. And then he provides for me or opens up to me the reception of being covered and cloaked, you might say, in, in all of his perfect righteousness. So that when God looks at me forensically, legally, objectively, God sees 
that my sins have been completely paid for, and instead in its place, I am covered, in a sense, with all of the credit of Christ's righteousness. Last week I talked about the idea that a lot of people approach morality as a transactional thing with God. I'll be a little bit good, I'll do good works, and then God will bless me, and maybe if I'm really good, God will give me a little piece of heaven, or I get a little claim on heaven, and we said that's not true, and there are a couple reasons why that's not true. One of the reasons that it's not true is because you can't give anything to God that God needs. you got nothing to transact with God in your moral behavior. He doesn't need it. Not only that, God will not be any man's debtor. It's not like God will say, oh, well, you were really good. Now I owe you something, right? God doesn't owe you anything. You cannot put God under any claims. He'll be no man's debtor. But the third reason we said is because you got nothing to offer. You are completely and totally entrenched in sin. And even the righteousness that you bring forward in your good works is filthy rags. You got nothing to barter with. But there is a transaction that takes place to make you right and just. Jesus came, lived the perfectly sinless, holy life, pure in every way. And then he went to transact with the justice of God that was against us and said, I'll lay down my life for their sins. And then I will give in exchange for their sins my holiness and my sinlessness and my righteousness and I'll credit it to their account. There is a moral transaction that takes place. It's a moral transaction that Jesus Christ took in our place at the cross, meeting all the just requirements of God to make us right and just with Him. And that's one thing that takes place in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's justification. But there's another work that takes place at the cross of Jesus Christ, and it's regeneration. It's this that Paul's talking about here, regeneration. And regeneration is where God gives us a new life. God comes in. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.